Oh, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Efficiency Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. This podcast is dedicated to all the women out there who are aspiring to have a career while raising a family. And bitch? Well, that's more than a name and even an attitude. (laughs) We use it as an acronym. It's for bank, inbox, time, connection, and harmony. Each episode is labeled according to the correct topic so that you can efficiently find the topic that you're looking for. I'm here to tell you, you can have your cake and eat it too. The trick is finding efficient ways to get through the have-tos so that you can make room for your best life. I can show you how. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Efficiency Bitch Podcast. I am so glad you're here. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. If this is your first time here, welcome to the Beehive. If you've been around for a while, thanks for coming back. I'm really excited to bring to you another episode of A New Kind of Bitch. This has been a really fun series for me. I'm getting to talk all about the word, the B word, and hear about how it impacts other people, hear their ideas about equality and moving things forward. So this guest that I have today for you is quite the inspiration. She is quite younger than me, and she is building a non-for-profit called Claim Your Potential, and she has so much to offer. I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's jump on in. Hey, welcome to the show. Sophie, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am wonderful. It's a rainy day here in DC, but I'm I'm trying to bring the light. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. I live in Arizona. It doesn't rain here often. So I will take some of that from that from you if I could. Why don't we get started? You're such a great guest. I'm so excited. You I was on your podcast not too long ago. I had a ton of fun. So I'm really excited to have you here and learn a little bit about what you're doing. You're in such a unique space right now, and I'd love to for you to share that with us. So why don't we start with who you are, where you come from, how you do life? Wonderful. And thank you so much for having me on the show. My name is Sophie Lindbergh, and I'm currently based in Washington, D.C. I'm from Florida, originally moved to Vancouver, and then now I'm back in the States going to school actually in D.C. I'm studying nonprofit management. I am the executive director of Claim Your Potential, which is a podcast turned nonprofit organization. And then I'm also doing some side hustles with my most recent being as board operations and strategic implementation with UNICEF USA. So I'm a little bit everywhere in the nonprofit space. And yeah, just a little bit about me and that. Yeah. Cool. And so what is Claim Your Potential and where are you going with it? That's a great question. So Claim Your Potential started out as a non-pod, non, wow, sorry, started out as a podcast back in August of 2022. It started with just bringing on guests and having conversations from really anything from managing personal finances, which you're on, to emotional resilience. And I've done an episode on how to build a standout resume. And so it started as really this platform where I could connect women with resources in what area of their whatever area of their life they wanted help in or wanted empowerment in. And I'm in the nonprofit sector. That's my area of expertise. And so I always knew I wanted to start my own one day. And I sat down with some friends and you we were talking through Claim Your Potential as a podcast. And I was realizing that some of what I wanted to do in a future nonprofit, I could start doing now and I could start 
building it into the brand of Claim Your Potential because why start over when you already have a brand that you can build off of? And so I've built up a board. We actually just onboarded everyone a couple of days ago. We're working on filing articles of incorporation. I've got an office space set up. Um, I have a couple intern positions that I'm hiring out for. And so really just this past month, it's just completely blown up into it's actually happening. And it's crazy to think about. And the goal is with Claim Your Potential to turn it into or make it a nonprofit organization that empowers women and girls academically, emotionally, financially, and professionally through different programs such as free mental health counseling and career coaching and financial advising and university admissions consulting. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a very exciting journey and and it's been wonderful so far and it just very surreal. That's awesome. I love that you're doing this. So what's the next thing that you have to do? Do you have to go raise money? Do you have to get more like where... Where are you in this process? The last time I talked to you, you were looking for board members. And so now it sounds like that's happened. What's next? So definitely fundraising. Yeah. I really need to admit it to myself and my board members, but everything's actually in a deficit as of right now. Everything's been out of personal pocket. So I would really, fingers crossed, like to to get there in terms of having some sort of income Definitely something my board and I have been talking about. And even throughout the board application process, everyone was asking me questions on what is income look like? Are we fundraising? And I was like, we are going to. Is on the board. So that's the next step. Um, and then also getting that that official paperwork in so that we can apply for grants and have that as another income source. So definitely trying to get the money squared away. And I'm also trying to build out our social media a bit right now to really get that message out there, get that message that, hey, we actually are becoming a nonprofit. We're not just a podcast anymore. And yeah, it's definitely going to be quite crazy next month. But I'm hoping that with the board that we brought on, we have about nine people who are very invested in the mission and who have all expressed such passion for let's get some money in and get these programs running. That's amazing. I love that. So what made you decide there was a need here in this space? What started you down this path? That's a great question. So I started Claim Your Potential when it was just a podcast. And I started it from a place of hurt, both coming out of a pretty roller coaster relationship, going through assault and some mental health struggles. And I was really in probably one of the worst spaces of my life. And I was looking for some sort of outlet to really get all of that out and find a way to heal myself. And so through bringing on guests with podcasting, I was noticing that I was gradually improving and I was gradually working on myself, not just my mental health space and healing with things had happened, but also getting to a space in my career where I was very proud of what I was doing and getting to a space in my academics where I was proud of who I was in, in my different classes. And that's how it started out. And I was noticing that all right, this is working for me, this kind of, I call it the four pillars of empowerment, this holistic approach to healing, to to becoming empowered. And so I thought about that from the lens of the nonprofit sector and how we think about programming is so often we focus programs on fixing a symptom or focusing just on one area. And we don't really realize that everything connects to each other. So I can't be financially independent if I'm not in touch with my emotions and trying to figure that out. And I can't have a good career if I am not financially independent. 
and every goes together. It's one big circle. And so I figured that with starting a nonprofit organization, I wanted to address all of the different areas and be able to do that more holistic approach. And, and so that's really how I was motivated to pick this specific area. And then, of course, women and girls, just it came naturally with me watching so many women in my life go through immense hardships and become these incredibly independent and empowered and just career-driven superwomen. My mom in particular, who was a welfare child and now is in the tech industry and she was a single mom and just watching her grow up. I want to make sure that I'm doing what she did for me to as many women as I possibly can. Yeah, that's amazing. I agree with you. I think there's so much need out there. And I love this time in history. I wrote a book and a podcast with the word bitch on it. And it's so interesting, like the responses that I get from people around that word. It's changed so much over time. The history of it has shifted. And the way people respond to it is different today than it's been over the last several decades. And I think a lot of it's because people are hearing the word as a word of power. Still a derogatory term, depending upon who uses it and how they use it. But I love all these organizations that are popping up, some not-for-profit, some for-profit, and coaching and counseling and everything in between. And we can't have enough of them. I don't, there's not enough Let me say it the other way. There's more people who need it than there will ever be competition in it. And I think just having a not-for-profit that's available to people, to women and girls. And I like the fact that you're hitting on girls because there is that space for teenagers who don't yet feel like they can show up in a place for women, right? Because they don't feel like they could call themselves that. They are that, but they just are still in the adolescence phase. So having a space for girls, I think, is really quite awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And just being always the youngest person in the room, I think that was something I really wanted to make sure I was touching on because these girls that are ages 13 all the way up until 18, and I call 18-year-old women girls in the sense that they still refer to themselves as girls. Mm -hmm. And really, they are young women. And I think between the ages of 13 to 18 is probably when some of the most pivotal moments in your life are going to happen in that stage. And so Mm -hmm. it's always strange when I notice that there really aren't a lot of organizations out there that hit that age group. It's usually earlier on, like I've seen ages 8 to 10, I've seen ages 30 to 60, but it's never been really that that 13. And I want to say up until 28 period of time is so pivotal Mm -hmm. and we just don't pay enough attention to those women and that's where they slip through their cracks and that's where those moments that they're trying to figure out their life and how they want to show up in life it all happens in that period of time and so we really need to be paying attention to that yeah i agree and i think people assume or organizations assume that their parents are still around but there's a few problems there not everybody has parents And most of the time at that age, our parents are the last people we want to speak to, right? Your parents are stupid when you're 13 to 21 (laughs) years old. Like you couldn't have dumber people around regardless of who they are. I just saw something recently talking about that where they said, your job as a parent raising a teenager is to make sure you have a strong village, make sure you have strong people around you who your kids can go to because they sure as hell aren't going to go to you. 
<laughs> I want nothing to do with you at that age. Having organizations that feel safe for girls who are becoming women to go to is going to be such a critical piece. And I write about this a little bit in my book, but the that that important age, those pivotal moments in time in your adolescence and your young adulthood, they've changed so much. Like my grandmother was 10 years old watching women get the right to vote for the first time. 10 years old, seeing that happen. And then my mom was 10 years old during the Civil Rights Acts when women and people of color were finally allowed to work and go to school together. And things were like very impactfully changing in her 10-year-old eyes. I was 10 years old watching the Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton fiasco and Clarence Thomas get accused of sexual assault. I was 10 years old watching those sexual crimes come to light for the very first time. And now my daughters, who are now 10 and 12, see a female as the vice president of the United States. And if you think about what my daughters see at 12 years old, they don't know anything about politics. So it's totally not political. You, she just sees a silhouette versus what my grandmother saw of her mom getting the right to vote for the first time. Whoa, that's some huge generational knowledge. And they're not that far apart generationally, right? Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It most definitely is. And it's something that I always think about as well as is how far we've come and mm-hmm. at the same time, how far we still have to go. So far. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you, And we can't continue to move forward without programs like yours and episodes like this where we talk about and we just make people realize just because we've gotten this far, which is incredible, doesn't mean we stop. It doesn't mean we pause. It doesn't mean we become complacent. We have to continue to push because it can get taken away very easily. We're already seeing some of that happen right now. Regardless of your position on abortion, it is something that's been taken away. It is something that was fought for and taken away in in a women's rights space. And that doesn't mean we can't lose the right to vote again. It doesn't mean we can't. So it's some interesting stuff that that can really go a really long way. I'm curious, Sophie, you're a lot younger than me. What do you feel when you hear the word bitch? For me, it tying to what in trying to tie into what you had said earlier about it depends on who's using it. Mm -hmm. Of course, when I hear it used in a derogatory way, you know, it's that gut reaction of why are you calling me that? But for me, I really think about the word in I use it on myself as a term of empowerment just because when women are called a bitch, it's because they said something. It's because Mm -hmm. they spoke up. It's because they tried to change something. It's because they are a trailblazer and they are going against the status quo. And maybe they're questioning something that isn't right or they're questioning something that goes against their values. And so whenever I've heard the word bitch used derogatory, it's used when someone is intimidated by power, specifically by a woman having power and exerting that power. And so for me, I refer to myself as a boss bitch all the time because really in in every part of my life, I try to show up as I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it with integrity and I'm going to do it with compassion. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to show up not just for others because the nonprofit sector, we so often put others before ourselves, but I'm also going to show up for myself. And if that means I have to leave a room or leave a space or 
leave a group of people that are not respecting me when I show up, that are not respecting that I value myself, my time, my power, and I'm okay with leaving. And so I think really bitch is for me, it's that empowering feeling of I am who I am. You either deal with it or the door's right there. You can leave or I'll leave, but one of us can leave. Yeah, most definitely. I agree. I think we all have to just continue to decide how that word feels for us in that moment. I certainly used it the first time I used it. When I coined the phrase efficiency bitch at 18 years old, I was being an asshole. To, I was being a bitch to my mom, calling her a bitch. <laughs> I was not being cool about it. You know? And it turned into a term of endearment for us. And it's turned into a term of power. And I'm, I feel so much power in the word today. So it's really enlightening for me to be able to hear your perspective. So thanks for sharing that. How do you think we're ever going to measure equality? How are we ever going to know if we got there? Oh, my goodness. That is a great question. And I wish that I had a very exact answer to that question. But I I think it's one of those things where we're never going to fully know if we've gotten there. But at the very least, we will start to feel those societal changes, those societal differences, where my hope is that the day that I can walk outside of the house and not be terrified for my safety within the first, I don't know, 15 minutes, I would like to think that would show some sort of progress, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. And I live in D.C., so it's a larger city, but it's a relatively safe city. But there are still lots of moments where I walk out of the house and it's not even a concern for violence against a person, but violence against me as a woman or some of the catcalling or the comments. And so for me, that's how I would see progress. And it's very unfortunate. But if I could just feel safety, complete safety for at least 15 minutes outside of the house, I feel like that is a step in the right direction. I think another thing that I really think about when it comes to measuring equality is that use of the word bitch is, am I hearing that word still used derogatory? Mm -hmm. And if so, then I don't think we've made progress towards equality. And especially with how often it's thrown around. It's insane to me how often it's thrown around as a derogatory term. I think about equality in the sense of also representation. And so once I can walk into any company or look on on the news or whatever it may be. And if I can see with my own eyes some sort of equal representation, even if it's not intentional, but if I can visibly see that representation, I think for me, that's that's showing that, all right, we're trying, we're getting there. We might not be 100%, but at the very least, I can now see someone that looks like me who has a position of power And they're not just the only one. They're not an outlier. And so often we refer to women in positions of power as outliers. And it's, Mm -hmm. and I think it's a very, I think it's a very detrimental, it's detrimental to the movement when we do that, because it's like they shouldn't be an outlier. We should be encouraging everybody, especially women, but everybody to pursue what is their passion to pursue what empowers them to what makes them feel like this is what I want to do with my life. And so really, we should be making sure that we're pushing women to have those realizations that they don't have to do what 
their mom did, what their grandmother did. They don't have to follow in the footsteps of anybody. They should be making their own footsteps. They should be making their own path in life. And if that means pursuing a position of political power, or if that means being the CEO, or even if that means starting up your own consulting firm, or if it means being a teacher, it could be truly anything in the entire world. But just as long as we're encouraging women to do what they truly want to do. Yeah, I agree. There's so many statistics out there that you can go and pull and Some of them show a lot of progress, right? A lot of, I think women have exceeded the number of college graduates in the United States. There are more females graduating from university, but we still don't have the same equal representation in the C-suite, in the CEO, CFO, space as men. We're also certainly still doing a large portion of the housework. Even in households that have two working families, women are still doing more of the work than the men are. So I do think those data points are important. However, you said something to me that I think is spot on. It's how we feel and how our daughters are going to feel and what's going to change for them. I'm certain that there will be a shift. My daughters are 10 and 12, as I said. Your daughters will be obviously a generation later and hopefully they even will have, or your sons. I hope this is equality for boys and girls, right? I don't want it just to be about girls. I have a little boy. I sure as hell want him to have all the same opportunities that his sisters hopefully get. So I think it is about that feeling of completeness and of safety. We talk about feeling safe walking outside your house. I am constantly reminded when I was much younger, the cat calls were constant. In your 40s, people don't really do that as much. But I got two little girls and I am watching like crazy. And it doesn't mean the cat calls stop. They just aren't as frequent when you're in your 40s. But I was out for a run not too long ago and a truck full of men slowed down to watch me run. And it was like, you scumbags, I'm right here and I'm stuck. There's nowhere I can go. There's nothing I can do to stop it. But when I think about that happening for my daughters, it like creates this whole other level of angst for me. And that's not even physical harm. That's not even the close to the worst of it. That's just a really icky feeling. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is probably one of the worst feelings in the world. And I never know how to explain this to to a man because they truly don't understand. And it's not it's not their fault because they haven't really had to deal with it. And I, I tried explaining it to someone and they're like, oh, but isn't it flat? You're getting a compliment. And it's just No. And but truly the way that I try to explain it is imagine that someone that you have no interest in being around, someone that makes you uncomfortable, someone that you are not attracted to both emotionally, physically, anything like that, stops you in the middle of the street and in front of a bunch of other people says that you have really nice legs Mm -hmm. and you're wearing a pair of jeans and they can't even see your legs. So it, and so I try to explain it in probably some of the in, in those terms, but and they still just don't understand it. it. It's for me, it's one of the most unsafe feelings in the world. And for me, it's always when I leave the house, it's always in the back of my mind. It's mm-hmm. and when I wear what I wear to go out, it's something I think about consciously. And it's sad that I have to think about this. I have to go, all right, are these jeans too tight? Are, is this shirt too low cut? And these are things, this the 21st century. 
And it's just men go out in shorts and muscle tees and no one says a thing about it. And it happened like a day ago where I was catcalled in the Metro. And so it's just, it's almost every day at this point. And yeah, yeah, it's. The world will only be safe for women when men let it be. Yeah. Like that's it. Like we have no control over it. And that's the worst part is that there's nothing we can do. As individuals, there's I can't go out my door and make sure that I'm going to be completely safe. There's nothing I can do about that. Men have to make the decision that I'm going to be safe and you're going to be safe as we move forward. So these are are so important to keep talking about. I have a lot of wonderful men in my life and they are not aware of how frequently it happens until you tell them. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking... Men have to be aware. I'd encourage you to talk to your brothers or your fathers, your uncles or your sons about it because they don't see what we see because they're not doing it. And I've said this before about racism. Not all white people are racist, but every person of color has felt racism. Mm -hmm. Not all men are pigs, but all women have felt that feeling. We all know it. And so I think just bringing to light that it does exist within a population is so helpful because you can't see, you can't know about it if you can't see it. It's the two are really difficult to understand. You can't take the fence down if you can't see that the fence exists. Exactly. The same idea here. So talk to your male people that even the good ones need to know that this is happening. Yeah. Because they're otherwise, as you said, they're not aware and they don't see it. And yeah, I've, I have a couple friends and I told them something had happened like about a week ago and they were like, wait, people still do that. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. people have always done that. People are continuing to do that. And yeah, it happens on a regular basis more often than they think it does. Yeah, it's awful. So B, thank you so much for this. This was wonderful. Let's end the show with just a little bit about where people can find you. What's the best way to connect? How can they donate to your cause? All of those things. Absolutely. So you can find us at cleanyourpotential.org. All of our contact information is on there. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clean Potential. If you would like to donate to our nonprofit startup fund, we have a big gold giant donate button on our website, on our homepage. There'll be lots of dates coming via our newsletter and also on social media about new programs that are launching. We'll be announcing our board members and new staff members. So if you'd like to stay updated, you can also have those updates sent to your inbox. And yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Melissa. It is always a pleasure. And thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you came on. Thank you. All right. That wraps it up. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad you came by. Please make sure that you're following us wherever you listen to podcasts and come on over to Instagram at EfficiencyB to continue the conversation. Until next week, I'll see you then. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. See ya. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new around here, please be sure to leave us a review on any podcast platform you're listening to. And you can always reach out to me to let me know what topics you're interested in hearing about or maybe telling me someone you think would be great for the show. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at EfficiencyBee. Until next time, see ya.